0: We are continuing with our sermon series, There's No I in Church. No I in Church. Um, And in case you can't spell, there is no I in Church, all right? And so we are going to be talking about communion today. Um, Some of you guys have... A predisposition when it comes to communion. You have these thoughts of what it is, what it isn't. Maybe you have um, no clue what it is. This is the first time you've ever talked about it. Or sometimes maybe there's people in this room you regret. As soon as you walk through those doors and we have those little tiny cups with those little wafers in them, you guys are like, ah man, it's communion day. Uh, But other people, you're overjoyed, right? We have a predisposition when it comes to communion. and I wanted to talk about what communion is and what it isn't. But I wanted to start off by talking about um, the fact that some things work best in life when they are divided, and other things work best in life when they are unified. All right, does everybody understand that? Right, some things work better in life when they're divided; others when they're unified. Um, and today, I'm going to be talking about the concept of unity as it comes to um not bread but oh actually you do need unity for bread with yeast and all that kind of stuff but unity when it comes to communion um and so when i was about 17 my buddies and i we would always uh go to ihop late at night they were open super late um if not 24 hours it was one up in illyria back before um you know rip ihop Uh, but anyways so basically we would drive down 57 because we all lived in ridgeville so I would go pick all of, all of my friends up. We'd go at like you know, 11, 12 a night sometimes on a weeknight, um, sometimes even later. And so we would go to IHOP and one day I had to turn. I think I was getting gas, but I might've just made a wrong turn. I was headed down 57, I was headed north. Um, and I made a left onto like one of those side roads over to Elyria. I think it was that, uh, that Speedway gas station I had to pull over there. Um, so then as I was coming back out to go north on 57 again, um, I wasn't paying attention. We were probably you know, jamming to some music. I was talking to my buddies. There were four of us in the car, and I go to accelerate. My light turns green, and I turn left, except I cut the di- you know, the, the median, the divider. I cut it too early, and I went down the wrong way. Have you guys ever... You guys know what median I'm talking about, right? On 57, that concrete median, uh, and then now it's like a big grass patch, but like I went the wrong way down 57 at like 11 o'clock at night. I don't know if you've ever been on the wrong way sign of, like when you're looking wrong way and you're like, oh, they're talking about me, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like that is not a good instance, right? And so I, all, my buddies and I, it was like straight out of like, you know, a comic a skit. I don't know, we're all like, ah! As I'm like whipping the wheel real quick. I'm, I'm doing a UE in three lanes real quick and getting back. The worst part is that a car was behind me and must not have been paying attention. They followed me right into that lane too. Yeah, it was, it was bad. Um, but I wasn't alone in my panic. So anyways, we were able to get around and then uh, all of them were like, Matt, you are not driving us to IHOP anymore. And I was like, understandably, understandably, right? But so that is usefulness of of division, right? Like you want to be divided from the other side of traffic coming at you, right? But then there's other times in life in which you want unity. You want something that's close in relation or, or you want that mixture, right? So like when I think of awesome things that are unifiers in this life, I think of like peanut butter and chocolate, right? Love the combination, peanut butter, chocolate. Love me some, uh, some Reese's. Um, or here's another one, a nice warm sunny day and my toes in the sand right that's good that's a good combination or maybe you're the opposite maybe you love nothing to do all day no responsibilities you put on your comfy clothes it's raining outside you just sit down and read a book or watch a tv show is that someone you guys like that too all right there are perfect things in life that honestly like they're good individually or sometimes they're bad individually but when you combine them when you unify them oh it makes it like so much better do you guys agree you guys agree all right well There's some times in Scripture in which we are told to be divided, and there's other times in which we are told to be unified, right? If you didn't know that, there's times in which the division is necessary, and it's helpful, and it's beneficial, and we'll hit that a little bit later. But there's other times in which unity is needed, and communion is one of those aspects in which Um, unity is needed and so basically this is kind of our big statement for today i'm going to say it about 15 times hopefully you get it through your head communion is not meant to divide it's meant to unify everybody say it with me communion is not meant to divide it's meant to unify right so hopefully by the end of this you understand that communion is not meant to divide it's meant to unify and if you are seeing division because of communion then it is not a representation of communion does this make sense all right, so, well, everybody go ahead and stand up on their feet. We're going to read God's Word. We're going to read our main scripture passage for today. We will be working in 1 Corinthians 11, 27 through 29. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and read it, but, you know, you guys can read it to yourselves as well. Um, there's kind of a lot. I might point out a few words that I want you guys to say with me. So um, so then, whoever eats the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. In what kind of manner? In an unworthy manner. We're going to talk about that. Whoever... Uh, eats eats of the bread or drinks of the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to what? Examine Examine themselves. Let's say it one more time. Everyone ought to what? Examine. Examine themselves. Do you guys do do you examine yourself on a regular basis? Maybe you wake up, you're, you wash your face in the mirror, you look at yourself and you examine that pimple that's on your face and you try and pop it real quick. Or maybe those nose hairs, you gotta get them off, right? Do you examine yourself with your bed head and you wake up and, and you examine yourself throughout the day, right? Would you guys all attest that that's probably true? I go into the mirror and I'm, I go into the bathroom, wash my hands or whatever, and I'm looking up and I just do a quick examination. I just quick fix my hair or whatever it is, right? We examine ourselves on a regular basis. And what what Paul's telling us to do is give an examination of ourselves, but not physically, not checking our hair in the mirror. He's telling us to do this. Before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup, examine yourself, examine your placement, examine what you're doing in your life. And we're going to hit different areas of examination today. But examine yourself before you drink from the cup, not after. Not during, but before. All right? So for those who eat and drink without, dis- or without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink what on themselves? Judgment. judgment. It's kind of a sticky word, right? They drink, they eat and drink judgment on themselves. That's not, that doesn't sound very fun. So we're going to get a little bit into that, but first we're going to pray. So Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for blessing us and allowing us to be here. Father, I just pray that you would speak through this message, that you would give open hearts and open ears to what you have to say, and that we would understand that communion is not meant for division, but for unity. And uh, we, we praise you in all that you do, and all that you say, and all that you are. We praise you through it all. So thank you, Jesus. Amen. You guys may be seated. All right, so what we're gonna do is, here's a little bit of a process. I'm a little logical of a person. I like order and structure, so um, you wouldn't know that by going to my house, but that's, that's different, all right? Um, So, basically, we're going to go through three R's, macros, three R's of communion, Um, and in each one, we are going to take an examination, and then we're also going to look at what is a division that we can see within that. Sometimes Paul calls it out, sometimes we see it other places in Scripture, all right? So, what we're going to look at is, once again, a point, one of our three R's, then we are going to see an examination, then we're going to see a division and how it applies to us, all right? So... Our first R that we are going to walk through is called Remembrance. Remembrance, all right? So keyword of remembrance is what? Remember, Remember, right? All right. Has anyone ever gotten in trouble because you forgot something? Yes. Yes, all right. If you are a husband in the room and you got married on a specific day and you went home that day and you forgot that five years ago on that day you got married, you forgot your wedding anniversary. Is your wife going to be very happy? Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> uh, you're newly married, Oli, aren't you? So, uh, <laughs> no, she's not gonna be very happy, right? Or maybe your boss, you, you forget to do something, right? We, we have things scheduled on a regular basis in our lives and we normally use a calendar or we set a reminder, right? Because we want remembrance, we want to look at something and, and not have to panic. I, I wanna go through my day not having to panic whether or not I forgot a meeting right? I just met with some friends when I was in Dallas, Texas uh, this past weekend for my buddy's wedding. And we're out to eat and, you know, we're messing. You know, it, it's just a great time. And um, we're like, all right, we should probably go. We've been here for an hour and a half. You know, we like get up and we start moving and they have to go back to work. And later I was talking to my one friend and she goes, I totally forgot that I had a meeting at 1.30. We didn't leave the restaurant until 1.38. All right, like totally forgot. And she's like, yeah. So I just walked into my boss's office and I'm like, Hey, I forgot, you know, like just, I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where it just slips your mind and you just forget what you need is you need something in remembrance, right? And so what we want is we want remembrance of communion. That is one of our three R's, remembrance for communion. Now, like I said, we're going to, we're going to talk through an examination. So we are examining ourselves and our remembrance. What is the thing we need to examine? The question that I have is why are you taking communion? A remembrance of why are we taking communion? All right, so there was a, uh, when I was in like sixth grade, does anyone remember Pastor Carl, the kids pastor here years ago? All right, yeah, I love Pastor Carl. Yeah, we got some, we got some happy hands. Uh, so Pastor Carl, when I came in, I believe he was the kids pastor when I was in fifth grade. And then when I was in sixth grade, I worked, as like sound just like how he, uh, Pastor Caleb has people all the time and we were taking communion I was back in the sound booth and there was like a third maybe second third fourth grader I don't know she, she was pretty young um, and we were taking communion and she raised her hand she goes she goes can I get some more juice and can I get some more bread I didn't eat breakfast this morning I'm hungry and I remember Pastor Carl being up there and, and saying no we don't drink the juice because we're thirsty we don't eat the bread because we're hungry we do it in remembrance of jesus and she did not understand that whatsoever and it's okay sometimes that happens with little kids but i i remember that point distinctly right because like i don't know like there's something we have like a disconnect often of what communion is and what communion isn't and so i wanted to make sure that we had a full understanding of what communion is so let's talk about what communion is Communion started out as a Jewish feast, the Passover. You guys ever heard of the Passover before? So, the Jewish calendar was set around um, six main feasts or parties, right? So, six feasts or parties, and these things were big. They were big tradition, they were huge in their culture, and they were a time in which there was a time of unity. Everybody would get together, the whole village, the whole town would all get together, or maybe they'd meet in Jerusalem, right? So, it was a big, big deal. All right? And so, The reason for these feasts and parties, there were two specific reasons that we can see in Scripture. The first um, is that it was a way to regularly participate in praise, thanksgiving, remembrance, and repentance. I'll say that again. It was praise, thanksgiving, remembrance, and repentance. All right? So... Basically, you'd go and you'd make sure that you were praising, thanksgiving, repenting, and remembering the things that God had done for you, right? The second reason why they had these feasts and these uh, meals was that God intended for these meals to continuously remind his people of the covenant that he had set with them, right? So we've talked about covenants a handful of times. Hopefully uh, a covenant, quick synopsis, is a promise that God either made um, or the Israelites agreed to. There, there's a few in the Old Testament. Um, but what we see is that the Israelites were God's chosen people group, and so he made a covenant with them and basically said, I will continue to bless you, and you will obey my laws. You will obey my teachings, you will obey my laws. That's where we get the Ten Commandments from. And so that, that's the quick synopsis. There's far more that goes into it. But basically, during this covenant celebration, they are not just sitting down and eating a meal together. They are dancing throughout the night, right? We sang a song about dancing. They're dancing. There are um, spices and, and, and good smells, right? Who loves some, some fresh baked pie or something like that? And you walk into the house and the whole house smells like pie or right, bread or whatever it is. I walked into, um, actually it was this past weekend, the wedding venue, and they were cooking like broccolini and the entire place smelled like a fart. Like, I'm not joking, it was was bad, right? Like, it smelled terrible, and all of us are like, I think someone either just right here, or they're cooking broccoli, you know what I mean? Um, But like, the smell can set the setting, right? Do you want to get married? Just, is that my my husband's breath, or is it the broccoli we're eating for dinner, you know what I mean? Hey, basically what we see is we see that there were smells, there were tastes, there, were, there was dancing, so there's action and there's touch, uh, but not just that, you're seeing people glorify and praise God, and you're seeing the relationships, and what we're seeing is every one of our senses are being influenced in a positive way that gives us a positive remembrance of God. Does this make sense, everybody? right? So there's a positive remembrance of the things that God has given us, and positive tastes, positive smells, positive touches and actions, right? Positive sights. Those are things that are going to attribute. Now, if you have a negative viewpoint of these things, then it's going to affect you negatively, right? So if you went and last time you went with your boyfriend, and now you guys have broken up, and now you go the next time, you might have a negative aspect, because there you see him with his new lady friend, and you're like, What the heck, man? You know what I mean? Like, did our last Passover festival mean nothing together? Um, Anyways, the purpose of this whole thing is that there were Jewish feasts and festivals and they were meant to create community and unity. And it was all behind a remembrance of what God had done for them, right? So unfortunately, much like us, uh, the Israelites consistently were not faithful to their covenants, right? And and that happens. But so the early church in the New Testament, they decided to kind of take that same basic mindset and they applied it to um, to the communion element that they did. So instead of just having six parties throughout the year, they would do regular um, communion. Times in which they would sit down, they would get together um, as a grouping of, of fellow believers, and they would break bread, and they would partake of like wine together. And so what we would see is, in case you don't know this, the breaking of bread is, is a remembrance of Jesus' body that was broken the day on the cross, right? And then his blood, or the wine, is a remembrance of his blood that was poured out and, 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 and shown for us, Right? His, his blood that washes away our sins, that cleanses us. for The day he died, we remember that day because it's what saves us, right? And so um, they celebrate these things because on Jesus, when he did his last Passover festival, he broke bread and he drank wine and he gave them the cup. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. So that's what we see out of the New Testament church. All right. And so, um, not only that, though, he is forming a new covenant in that moment. And so, we are seeing the church of um, the new Christ, uh, sorry, the, the new church of Christ giving thanks, right? The, uh, the base word for communion or Eucharist is uh, Eucharisto, right? And so, it, it means to give thanks. And we are giving thanks for his body that was broken and his blood that was poured out it is a new covenant, right? So that's what we're seeing, and that's why we do communion. Now, there was a divider that was happening, which was taking the communion elements in an unworthy manner. So the divider that we're looking at, the thing that is separating one group from another or whatever it is, people from each other, was taking the elements in an unworthy manner, right? And this is a simple enough concept. Taking the elements and not giving thanks or worshiping Jesus um, taking the elements and not remembering the covenant is considered unworthy, right? Now there's some churches, may, maybe you grew up in a church um, in which only the members of the church were allowed to take communion when we invite everybody up. We don't, we don't do that here at Harvest Church. We have open communion, uh, mainly because as long as you are taking it in a worthy manner, we don't have, we don't want to divide you, right? I was at a funeral when I was, um, I don't know, I was younger, I was a teenage, one of, one of the guys from our school died um, in a very tragic car accident, and I went to a Catholic funeral service, and I'd never been to a Catholic mass or anything before, and I remember them saying, um, if you are a Catholic you know, believer, if you're a member, then go ahead and get up and go get communion, and so that's what they did, and I remember all these people getting up and going to the pews, and I'm just sitting there, like I'm just sitting there by myself, and I felt divided, though, I really did, and it had nothing to do, like, I've taken communion my entire life. It had nothing to do with my belief, but I did not fit the standard of what they were looking for in that moment, right? So we have open communion here at Harvest Ridge as long as you are doing it in a worthy manner, right? Does this make sense? Yes. Right, so um, take it in a worthy manner. Those who take communion in an unworthy manner eat and drink judgment on themselves. That's what it says. They eat and drink judgment on themselves. And we don't want you to drink judgment on yourselves. So today we're going to be taking communion together. You have an open invitation to come take communion, whether or not you're a member of this church. However, we ask that you do it in a worthy manner, not because, honestly, not because it's really going to affect me, but because I don't want you to eat and drink judgment on yourself. Right? So let's go ahead and let's get into our second uh, reason. Oh, sorry, I, I want to say this as well. Once again, community is meant... Not to divide, but to unify. And so when we remember things as a unit, when we remember things as a church, when we remember things as a family, uh, we're able to keep each other accountable, right? When we do baptisms up here, we have the whole tank, and could I, could I do door-to-door baptisms and go inside your bathtub and fill it up and dunk you down? Yes. Yeah, I could. But it loses the remembrance part in which the body of believers around you is then keeping you accountable. Right? If you have a family member or a friend or you see the baptism and you see them behaving in a way that does not represent that baptism, then it is your job to keep them accountable. It's your job to give them a remembrance of what they committed themselves to. Right? So communion as a remembrance aspect is meant to create unity, not division. So this brings us to our second R of communion, which is reverence. Reverence, all right? And so... Um, what are we examining when we're looking at reverence? We are examining, right? We're examining ourselves, our priorities and our attitude. What is your predisposition towards communion? I already talked about this a little bit earlier. What is your predisposition towards communion? Do you walk in and you say like, yes, we get to do communion today. Like, I don't even think I get that hyped about it, but some people might, right? But then there's other people who are like, oh man, we got to do communion today. I hate those wafers. I hate that grape juice, it tastes terrible, right? Uh, There's other people who you're right in the middle and you're just like, whatever, right? It happens, it happens, sometimes I forget that it's gonna happen, sometimes I remember, right? Um, But how about this? Not just with communion, what is your priority and what's your attitude on anything that Jesus demands out of you? So not just with communion, but anything, right? So like this, this scripture, is full of telling us things that we should and should not do. That being said, if all we ever take the Bible as is a rule book in which they give us positives and negatives and yes and no's, then honestly, you're missing a massive, you're missing the entire purpose of the book, actually. The book is relational. If you're taking it as a task list of yes or no's, then then it's not going to be a fun relationship with God. I I try to tell our youth all the time is that when Jesus came, he did not set rules. He set standards. He set standards for how we should live our lives, right? Because he wants to see us in the more blessed life, right? That's Romans. Romans 8, live a more blessed life. You can live a blessed life by going out and partying and being a millionaire and doing all the things of this world. Absolutely. That's a blessed life. That's great. But the more blessed life... Is being empowered by the Spirit and living accordance to God's will, and sometimes that means that you have to put down long-term. Uh, sorry, you have to put down short-term happiness for long-term joy. Right. Yeah. right? When you put down that happiness, you establish something that's going to be joyful long run. And honestly, sometimes that stinks, man. I'll tell you what; it is not always easy to put down my happiness in order to create joy. But would I rather be happy right now and then regretting it later? Or would I rather be happy long-term in my, in my marriage, with my family, with my church, in my job? Would I rather not have that joy long-term? So when Jesus demands something of us, do we have a heart of respect and, and repentance and understanding that he's trying to do something that's going to create joy long-term, right? Or not even the fact that you're going to get something out of it. God is not God to serve you. He's not God to give you and and make you have the most lavish lifestyle, right? We are here to serve him. We're here to have a relationship with him. Do we come to the demands of Jesus with a heart of respect and understanding? And how do you behave when you're confronted with a truth that is totally different to either your cultural worldview or your own identity or your own, like, If if we run into a a problem with this book, right? Jesus says something and it is counter, um, my brain processes, counter to how I see things. Do I just toss the book out or do I open it up and say, I have no idea what that means. Let me look at it a little bit further. Maybe I should look at some context. You know what I mean? Like uh, we have to at some point start understanding the demands that God gives us are not meant to hurt us or to harm us, but they're actually meant to see fruit in our life. Now, um, I, have a, I have this really cool story. And so do you guys remember when uh, Notre Dame Cathedral caught on fire? Do you guys remember that in 2019? All right, so there were a bunch of videos going around, and so here's a little story from it. Uh, when the roof of Notre Dame Cathedral caught on fire in April 2019, its ancient wood beams and lead sheeting created a furnace so hot it couldn't be contained. After the cathedral's spire fell, attention turned to the bell towers, and if the giant steel bells, uh, wooden frames would have burned, then the collapse would bring the bells down and basically knock out both the towers, um, which would leave the cathedral in ruins. Now, because it was such a hard fire to contain, the, the, the general, General uh, Gallat he had to pull the firefighters back. Um, And so basically he was the commander of the the fire department and he wondered what to do next and a firefighter named Remy Nervously approached him and said respectfully general. I propose that we run hoses up the exterior of the towers and Given the buildings fragility the commander dismissed the idea. He said it's gonna be too fragile We can't run the hoses up the side of the exterior of the building Um, But basically he had a decision to make was he going to listen to this guy or go with What he thought was best? well he ended up listening to remy the the junior firefighter and uh they ended up getting the the bell the bells hose down just in time and because of that the the towers of the cathedral were saved and so basically the whole reason i i tell this story is because the guy was a general he was the commander of the fire department right and here is this young firefighter who does not have an addition. like we, He was called General Gallat and Remy. Right? Um, and he had a decision to make. Do I go with the thing that I think I know or this viewpoint that is different from my opinion? It's different from the way that I go about things. Am I going to go with that? And he ended up deciding to go with that. And because of that, we see the bell tower was saved. When Jesus commands you or demands you to do something that is different from your thought process, or even when your friends tell you to do something that is different from the way that you naturally go about things, how do you react? Do you react positively? Do you react negatively? Do you take those things in, right? Some of you in this place are incredibly logical and, and, and very like a standardized thinkers, right? Would anyone say like I'm a logical thinker in this room? right? Okay, I I would put myself in that category. I hate to tell you, sometimes we miss massive emotional cues, right? My wife tells me all the time, you may have a decent IQ, but your EQ is like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) she doesn't say it that way. She's very nice and loving about it. That's essentially what she's saying, right? Like, I miss massive emotional cues. And there's other people in this room that you are You you go as the wind blows you with your emotions, right? Your your emotions have you on a high, so you're super happy. Your emotions have you on your low, and everything sucks, right? And someone walks up to your life who's a logical thinker and says, you are not processing this correctly. Are they trying to do you harm in that moment? No, they want to see what's best for you. And sometimes uh, what's best for you is to think in a viewpoint that is different from our own. And how do you do that? So there was a divider when it comes to reverence. And the divider is being disrespectful and dishonest towards Jesus. Disrespectful and dishonest towards Jesus. Now, in Genesis, uh, one of the first, actually, I think it's like, it's not really a command, but the first thing that God tells Adam to do is in Genesis 2, 16 through 17. And the Lord God command, oh, he did say command, actually, (laughs) tricked myself. Uh, The Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden. What did he tell him to do? Eat. Eat. He told him to Eat. You may eat of any tree in the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. Right? So God says, dude, eat. Eat of everything. You have all these things, but not mine. This is mine, but everything else I give to you, I bless you with. Right? And what do Adam and Eve do? Of course, they, um, if you guys have ever seen you know, fine arts, uh, Fine arts, they do like human videos and there's always like a tree and there's the one person's like the tree and they have the apple and Eve walk, reaches up and grabs it. And... <sighs> you know, the, where, sorry, has anyone ever, <laughs> thank you. I'm talking to a very niche audience who grew up in like that church culture. Um, basically, the issue is not that they ate, right? They had a command to eat. The issue is not that they ate, The issue is that they ate in a dishonest and irresponsible and irreverent way. They ate what was God's. The issue is not that they ate, right? The issue is not that, I don't know, we do this all the time. The issue is not that you have sex. The issue is that you have sex in an irreverent and dishonest and disrespectful way towards what God has commanded, right? Within God's holy matrimony, sex is good, it's a blessing right? Uh, Let's take it out of sex. The issue is not that you saved money, right? The issue is not that you stored up. It's that you did so in a dishonest and disrespectful and irreverent way. When you prioritize money above God, that's irreverent, right? You're not being reverent towards God. Maybe, I don't know, maybe your use of language, right? The way you speak, the way you, uh, your attitude, Right, You can do so, I'm talking using language right now. You can do it within God's ordinance. And then there's another aspect that when you, I don't know, when you speak certain words against certain people, you are being irreverent towards God. Actually, when you speak certain words towards anybody, you can be irreverent towards God. What am I trying to get you to understand? God has blessed us. He's given us fruit. He's given us so much abundance in life, so many blessings in life and we always want to toe the line and go a little bit further, just like the Israelites did, just like Adam and Eve did. We always wanna go further, and that's being irreverent, all right? And so, once again, this is the same statement. Communion is not meant to divide, it's meant to unify, and I want you to be unified with the way that we are reverent towards God. When we're all being respectful of God, then we are being reverent and, and honest and respecting together. And that's what we want. All right, so the third R that I wanted to get into is relational. The third R is relational. And so what are we supposed to examine, right? We have to examine ourselves. We are examining our relationships. Let's examine our relationships. How are my relationships with my family, my friends, or even fellow Christians? Am I behaving in a way that is honoring and serving of God? Or am I, do I pent up anger and aggression? Do I have unforgiveness in my heart? These are unworthy ways of coming to communion, right? Whether or not we feel it, you might be angry. You might have just reasoning why you're angry, but that doesn't mean it's appropriate to approach the Lord's table with those things. Does that make sense? And that is counter what our feelings are, but it's scriptural. Here's a divider, exclusion of others the biggest divider for relational communion for unity in communion is exclusion of others. Now I have a few youth students up here. I have something and it's with what's this called? open open circle, right? Open circle is what I call this. And the concept and the idea is that we always lo- leave room for others to be included. Right? So, I don't mind if you have cliques, I don't mind if you have friend groups but when we close the circle and we turn our back, then no one has the ability to get into that friend group. And that's the moment in which we are creating a division in our relationships, right? And I'm gonna say the same thing to you guys at work, here at church, in your life group. Do you have a closed circle? Do you refuse to let other people in? Because it might be inconvenience or maybe you don't like them. Maybe they chew a little bit too loud, right? Whatever it is. There should always be a place that is open for others to join you. And there's a big difference between being purposely excluded and not being included. I have had to have this conversation with so many students before, right? Purposely excluded is we're a group and you can't get in. You right there, you can't get in. That's purposely excluded. And sometimes we, we forget to just simply include others. It's not that we are like, get out. We just forget to say, come on in. Right? The water's warm. It's nice. Um, we have to have that understanding, but, but there's, a, there's, a, there's a divide that is the exclusion of others. And so here we see um, Paul dealing with the exclusion of others in 1 Corinthians 11. Right? So let's go ahead and read this. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe that in part there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. Pause. What did I say earlier about how sometimes there's divisions and those are positive divisions, right? Sometimes some divisions are positive because what you see is, let's be honest, if I'm trying to live a a God-worthy standard life, I don't always want to be interacting with people who are not living that way. Right? There's times and there's places right? Like Jesus himself went to the woman at the well. He went to the tax collectors, right? He, he did those kind of things, but there were other times in which he was eating a meal and it was just his closest disciples. It was just the people that, and, and there was a bit of a division. And what Paul is saying is that sometimes those divisions are healthy to know where everybody's at. But that does not mean that when we're in this building as united believers, as we're taking communion, as we're going about life, that does not mean we just cast out others because we don't agree with them or we don't like them. There's different standards of division, right? And so uh, Paul's calling out a useful division that is basically two sides of these people are following the teachings of Christ and these people aren't, right? So when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat, for in eating each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another drunk. So once again, there's a, uh, there's a community, there's a unity aspect of communion that they are not listening to, because when they get together, they may be participating in the Lord's Supper, but if one person's eating and the other person's not present, and what we see is basically they were coming in, and Corinth was a massive uh, city of basically freed slaves or people who, were right on that edge and they were hard workers and what we would see is you had people who were slaves or freed slaves and they would get they'd finish their duties and they would come and go to the people of you know the people's houses where they were rich or maybe they didn't have to work as long and they would eat all the food and drink all the wine and so the people who just got off work they're a little bit angry Right? Would you guys be a little bit angry if your family ate your entire meal and then they're like, oh, you're on your own, buddy. Right? I thought we were in this together. At least leave me some leftovers in the fridge. You know what I mean? With that being said, they were leaving people out. One goes hungry and another gets drunk. One has nothing and another has an abundance. And that's a divisionary statement. Communion was a family builder. It's a relationship builder. And the church used communion as a celebration. Let's finish this passage real quick. What, uh, sorry, what do you not have houses to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Paul takes a pretty hard line there. Now, the Passover was a love feast, it was meant to be partaken of together with fellow believers, with fellow people, with your family, right? It was meant to include and it was meant to love on people around you. The Passover was a love feast and communion was a reflection of that love feast and they are not being loving with the way they're feasting. Here's here's the last part of this passage. So then my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, what does that say? Hold on, let's say it all together, right? You should you should all eat together. You should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home. Eat before you come, that way it's not about you, right? The whole sermon series, there's no I in church, right? It's not about you. Eat before you come, that way when you come, you're not leading others to destruction. You're not, you're not excluding others because you're so hungry that you have to eat. So that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. Because once again, when we partake of communion in an incorrect and unworthy manner, we are giving ourselves judgment, right? So we should all eat together. That way you may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give you further directions. I have a video for you guys. Hey, what are you doing? Mm, eating a sandwich. Oh, we're going to my parents' house for dinner. I well, know, I can't wait to see Okay, then why are you eating? I'm hungry. You can't wait an hour? I'll be hungry again. It won't be an hour. I'm gonna have to hug them, talk. It'll be like two hours before I even see an appetizer. Okay, what if I tell them as soon as we walk in, he's hungry. No, oh, that's weird. And It's all about me eating. But that's what you want. No, it's not. I want to eat right now. I would never do this to your parents. I'm eating a sandwich. So that's a skit that I saw uh, on TikTok not too long ago. And basically, the concept is exact, right? There's some people in this room where you're like, oh, I understand going to my in-laws and, you know, taking forever. Like, not calling out my in-laws. But uh, yeah, like sometimes that happens where I'm just like, all right, dinner's at one, right? They're like, yeah, dinner's at one. It's 2.30 and I'm starving to death. You know what I mean? Like that happens, but it's not about you. It's not about you. And that's what Paul's trying to get them to understand is that if that's what's going to lead you into temptation and that's what's going to make you sin, then eat before you come. Because what you're doing is you're excluding others. You're, you're putting up a division and you're not allowing for unity to happen. It's not about you. Once again, communion is not meant to divide. It is meant to unify. So what we're going to do right now is we are going to practice the three R's that I just went through. And so as you can see, it's a little bit different of a normal communion setup. Sometimes when you come in, you get those cups, and this is a little bit different. We're going to break bread together, all right? And we have people up here that are going to break the bread and give it to you. And then also we have cups and elements up here. And basically the idea is we're all going to do this as a unit, um, but also we're gonna do this with the three R's. So let's go through them real quick. Remembrance. Let's remember what Jesus did and why he did it. Let's remember that the bread is his body, that the, that the blood is the cup, right? Let's remember that he died to save us. And let's be thankful for it. Reverence, let's get our hearts set right with God. Maybe he's been telling you to do something and you need to say, all right, I will listen to you. Maybe you've been doing things the wrong way and you've been going about life the wrong way. And you need to say, God, before I partake of communion, I'm, I'm gonna step into what you have for me because you need to be respectful of what he has for you. And then lastly, relational. Maybe you in this room need to set your hearts right with the way that maybe others have treated you or you have treated others. Maybe you need to forgive those who, honestly, they may not be deserving of forgiveness, but scripture tells us that we need to forgive. Maybe we need to put ourselves in the place where we're loving the individuals around us that way we can create unity as a whole. Does this make sense everybody? So what I'm gonna ask is, um, actually, could I have everybody stand up on their feet? All right, so what we're gonna do is our middle sections are gonna go first. I'm gonna ask that you come to the middle and go outside. You can, uh, you'll be handed a piece of bread. You can grab a cup and then go back and you can go find your seat. Uh, The band's gonna be playing behind me. And whether you get your cup first or whether or not you get it last, because once the middle row kind of goes, I'll ask that you guys filter and do the same thing. Um, who are on the outsides, what I'm going to ask is that you begin to work through reverence, remembrance, and relational unity. That you begin to work through those things because um, we don't want to take communion in an unworthy manner, right? 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 Do you want judgment on yourself? I wouldn't. All right, so we're going to take it in a worthy manner. So we're going to, when I say go, you guys can step out of your seats and start doing that, and then what we're going to do after everybody has got their communion elements and take taken a seat, we are then going to do communion as small uh, units. So basically three to six people, people who are close to you, I'm going to ask that you get together, one person prays for the cup, one person prays for the bread, and then you guys partake of it together as a unit. All right, so we're going to go ahead and start, so if you guys want